You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome, 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 friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History, the podcast where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. Happy, happy, happiest of holidays to you, dear one, and welcome to the final episode of season four and the last episode of 2022. Thank you for spending the last 27 Fridays with me this year. I I can't believe it's been that many, and I can't believe it's been that few at the same time. So many feelings, and I cannot wait to spend more Fridays with you next year. Our last episode was quite heavy, so I thought that we could go out on a light, fun holiday note for our season finale in our final episode of 2022. So today we're having an easy, breezy, beautiful, creepy Christmas. It's pagan time today because we're talking about Krumpus, the yin to St. Nicholas's Yang. So grab a warm beverage and a bundle of sticks to fight off the devil of Christmas and let's get to it. Ah, tis the holiday season. For many of us, that means it's sweater weather and hearing Mariah Carey's voice in every single store you go into. Some people are lighting the menorah, and some people are fasting, and some people are anxiously, anxiously awaiting their presence as a reward for being on the nice list. But what happens to those poor, unfortunate souls who will not make the cut on the nice list and will end up on the naughty list? For those unlucky enough to fall out of Santa Claus's good graces, they can expect a visit from not the jolly cherubic man in a suit, but his hellish, gruesome counterpart, Krampus. Now, I was pretty late to the Krampus game, and I actually learned about Krampus in a very roundabout way. I was watching one of my favorite shows, The Office, many years ago, and during one of the Christmas episodes, Dwight Schrute talked about the German character, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was German, character Belschnickel. <laughs> I absolutely did not believe that there was such a thing, because, I mean, come on, Belschnickel? That's not real. That's not real life. So I did what any curious cat would do, and I headed to Google, and I found out that not only was Belschnickel a real thing, but there was a bunch of other Bizarro World Santa Claus characters all over the place. And I've been a little bit obsessed with these characters ever since. Belschnickel might get an episode sometime down the road, but today we're focusing on Krampus. So, if you don't know who Krampus is, friend, let me paint you a picture. Imagine, if you will, a horned, hairy demon-like creature with an incredibly long tongue who has one hoof and one human foot, which for the life of me, I could not find out why that was the case. It, but, like, in all of the pictures that I saw of Krampus, just one foot, one hoof. Very strange. 
This hairy Christmas beast is also covered in chains and cowbells and holds a bundle of sticks, birch sticks to be specific, that he uses to beat the living crap out of children. In Austria and Germany and a few other countries, December 6th is the traditionally the day for presents. Kiddos put out their socks and or shoes and wait to see what Saint Nick will put in them if they were good. But the naughty kids, oh, the naughty kids, would already know not to put out their socks and shoes because Krampus would have beat the crap out of them or just straight up kidnapped them and ate them on the 5th, which is Krampus night. And I can hear you right now. Your question is coming in loud and clear, friend. TK, are you sure that this is not a Halloween episode? Are you okay? Do we need to call somebody? No, no, friend. I'm totally fine. Krampus is, in fact, a winter Christmas creature from Austria. Austria, <laughs> not Australia's alpine region, Austria's alpine region. And Krampus itself might not be one singular creature, but maybe a species of Krampusai. Wouldn't that be the plural of Krampus? Krampuses? Uh, because some people believe that Krampus is not just one single being, but a species in and of itself. But regardless if it's just the one or the many, they have been around in some form for hundreds of years. However, the origin of Krampus is quite mysterious and not very clear, which is great for me. It's so much fun. Love when things are mysterious and complicated and hard to figure out. <laughs> but truly, I do love a good puzzle. And if being an elementary school teacher has taught me anything, it's how to make sense out of stories from different sources that are all over the place and turn them into one cohesive thing. So let's get into it. So there are a lot of Krampus theories that I came across during my research, but the two that popped up most and had the most evidence are the ones that we're going to talk about today. And just as a side note, I feel like I'm pronouncing Krampus and Krampus throughout this whole thing. I'm trying to say it the 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 German way the and the Austrian way, but I am neither German nor Austrian, and all of the German that I learned in high school is gone. It's been replaced by Japanese. So, uh, if you hear me say Krampus or Krumpus, no, you didn't. You did not hear me make that mistake. <laughs> but I digress. For our first theory, we've got to head over to mythology land, North mythology to be specific. Although the big Harry Krampus is now BFFs with Santa, he was originally strictly a pagan creation. North's mythology was not mythology, but religion between 790 and 1100 CE. And I want you to guess, I want you to guess, just, just guess, was Krampus associated with a god or goddess? I'll give you a second. Okay, say so your guess. One, two, three. Goddess. Did you get it? I'm sure you did. You and I were tuned in to our history BFF ESP line. <laughs> so the goddess Hel 
H-E-L, not H-E-L-L, is actually not technically a goddess because she was cast out by Odin and is the daughter of the demigod Loki, so it makes her like a quarter god, but those are just technicalities that we're not going to get in today. Hell is not the goddess of death like many assume, myself included, until I stumbled upon a very spicy article on the matter, but rather she is the queen of the realm of the dead, aka the underworld, aka Helheim, I think I'm saying that right, which is, that's the Norse word for underworld, that's what it's called in Norse mythology. This Helheim, or the underworld, is the place where The people who believed in the Norse religion went if they died in any other way besides battle. He got sick, straight to hell. Died of old age, gross, straight to hell. Infection from uh, a wound that you got in battle, but you didn't have the sense to die in said battle, hell for you, friend. But Norse hell is very different from, like, Christian hell. Nobody is on fire. There's no, like, rivers of blood and lakes of fire or whatever. It's actually pretty chill down there. People are just hanging out, feasting. They're just not allowed to go to Valhalla. That's pretty much it. And it's kind of dark and kind of (laughs) damp. So this queen of the realm of the dead, Madam Hell is what we'll call her, was doing her thing down there in Norse Hell, being a busy lady. And then somehow, some way, she gives birth to a little Krampus. (laughs) I don't know how, I don't know why, but that is one of the theories of how Krampus came to be. The other origin story of Krampus also goes way back before Jesus was a twinkle in the Christian God's eye. While doing research for this episode, I found out that there are very different flavors of paganism, which I didn't know. That's super cool. And the flavor of pagan that possibly brought about Krampus was the alpine version of paganism, alpine paganism. And he is associated with the actual goddess, Percha, sometimes known as Bercha. Percha herself is a fun combination of Germanic and pre-Germanic culture with a sprinkle of Celtic traditions all mixed together in the Alpine region after the migration period in the early Middle Ages. This was basically when people were mixing all around Europe and the rest of the world, just making new culture and stuff, having lots of fun together. (laughs) I don't know what they were doing. Making culture. So Percha, Percha, in my humble opinion, is the original Santa. Now, here, before, I know, I hear you, before you start doubting, hear me out, okay? I'm not the only one who thinks this. Percha is my favorite candidate for the OG Santa. And I've got proof, okay? So just listen. So originally... Perch's whole thing was to uphold taboos, so that meant that she was the person who decided what was naughty and what was nice. Okay? Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? And she also made sure to let people know that what they were doing was not good. And she also roamed around the country during midwinter, going into people's houses. And she uh, would be able to automatically know if the children of the house were being 
good or bad, naughty or nice. And she would give silver coins to the kiddos who were being good and to the kids who were being bad. She would cut out their stomachs, open them up, take out their guts, and stuff them with straw and pebbles and sew them back up. Which, when I read that for the first time, I was like, okay, uh, Percha, can, can we just not go from zero to 100 in no time flat? That seems like a severe escalation. I feel like you need to get your levels of punishment severity straight, woman, okay? Uh, she was also a real stickler about what people ate and when they ate it, especially if people ate anything other than fish and gruel on her feast night. How very dare you. How very dare you. I hope you enjoy yourself a little midnight snack. And then Persia comes along and she guts you and stuffs you with pebbles and straw. Anyways, that's terrible. <laughs> and I hear you now, okay? TK, she sounds hideous. Where does Krampus come into all of this? How is beating children worse than disemboweling them and stuffing them with pebbles? I feel like Persia has got it under control. Well, Percha had these little minions called Perchin, which is the plural for Percha, and it came to mean all of the entourage that Percha had, all of the little little demony creatures that would help her, you know, cut open people's stomachs and and or give them coins. People would dress up as these perchins, wearing masks and costumes to scare away the ghosts of winter. And all of these original perchin depictions and masks look a lot like Krampus. And you have to admit, friend, that besides the cutting open of stomachs, Purchase seems a lot like Santa Claus, right? I mean, the naughty or nice, the going to people's houses, the breaking and entering, the giving kids things. It's all pointing to Santa. She's like the punk rock Santa Claus. And you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> These are only two of the origin stories that I found about Krampus. But like I said, they're the ones with the most evidence and have the most backing by historians and sociologists. and. The really interesting thing about both of these origin stories is Krampus himself, or itself, didn't start out as a bad creature. Nay, nay. Krampus was there to scare away the evil spirits that lingered during the wintertime. Winter was, and is, a time of flu, and sickness, and disease, and gloomy darkness, depending on where you are in the world. And if you didn't have science and a weather person telling you what the heck was going on, I would definitely think that demons and ghosts were behind this awful time as well. So what happened? How did Krampus go from just a monster dude that was scaring away evil winter ghosts to a monster that would beat children, kidnap them, and sometimes eat them? Well, Christianity. Christianity is what happened. The Christian God and Jesus popped into the religion scene and were making their way across what is now Europe. They had to put an ixnay on the egg and pay because the pagans had to get dead or convert. 
and Krumpus was a little too close to the devil for the church's comfort. So they were like, um, yeah, this little hairy goat guy is evil. He's got to go. So stop your silly little Krumpus night, your little Krumpus runs, and all your other pagan things, and let's get you some Jesus, okay? Okay. And the Austrians and the Germans got themselves some Jesus, or had some some Jesus thrust upon them. And the image of Krampus changed and got darker and darker, and depending on your region, almost disappeared entirely. I always say you can't keep a good Krampus down. (laughs) I'm sorry, that was ridiculous. That's what I titled this last section of the episode, and I just, I had to tell you that I titled it that. (laughs) Moving on. So because of Christianity coming in and doing its, you know, stamping out of anything it sees as demonic thing, uh, the traditions of Krampus were almost lost. But there were people who held tight to their traditions and kept them secret and kept them alive. Before the Christians came, there were events all over Germany and Austria called Krampus Runs. They have different names depending on the region, but in English, they're pretty much Krampus Run. And these were done to ward off those nasty little winter spirits and to scare the shit out of kids like we were talking about earlier. The Krampus love was super underground until the 1800s when the postcard industry got a hold of that sweet, sweet Krampusy imagery, and they could not get enough. The goat man thingy was back and started to become popular again. You could see his furry little booty and his one human leg and his <laughs> one hoof leg all over the place during Christmas. There were cards of him kidnapping kids, punishing adults, doing very not safe for work things, which I can't believe <laughs> that people would just send through the mail, not in an envelope, just fully open as a postcard. <laughs> but in addition to our OG Krumpus, A lady Krumpus appeared who was much more sexy than her gentleman counterpart and could often be seen punishing very small men, uh, which could be a case study on society all on its own, but we just don't have that kind of time. It seemed like Krumpus and his new sexy lady friend were back and here to stay. Yay! But not yay. Nay, nay. The Krumpus man had one more mountain to climb. Between 1934 and 1938, when Austria was under fascist rule, Krampus was public enemy number one. Okay, maybe not number one, but he was up there. You see, the fascists were not fond of anything they saw as a symbol of sin or anti-Christian ideals. It was a whole big thing. There was a nationwide call for boycotts on Krampus, and some cities even forbade Krampus dances and festivals, and also some places pledged to arrest Krampus whenever they saw people dressed up as him. And I just have to tell you this, because this made me laugh, Uh, some places also (laughs) made it mandatory for all aspiring St. Nicholas's to be licensed by (laughs) the city. You gotta have a Santa Claus license. (laughs) 
this is is it this is a very not funny but funny thing to have like it's ridiculous a santa claus license arresting people dressed up as krampus i cannot I cannot. No, I can't. I can't believe it because humans, while we are absolutely magical creatures, we're also ridiculous. But fear not, dear one. Krampus could not be kept down for too long. In the late 1960s, early 70s, there was one final Krampus resurgence. Local clubs and communities started to get together to create Krampus runs again and different Krampus events, trying to preserve the important cultural and folk traditions that were almost eradicated by Christianity. And now, in 2022, Krampus runs and different Krampus activities and movies and TV shows and all sorts of media can be seen all over the world. And it doesn't look like Krampus will stop scaring the living hell out of children anytime soon. We have come to our final thought, my friend, and this final thought is super duper friggin' cute. So, in the early 2010s, there was an influx of Syrian and Afghanistani refugees to some alpine towns, and this just so happened to coincide with a lot of Krampus-related festivals and activities, and the people of the town and the, t- the town officials decided that it might be really terrifying for these people who are fleeing their country because of horrible people and politics and all this awfulness to be bombarded with this thing, Krampus, these activities that they had never seen probably in their whole lives, and they were worried that they would just get the ever-living crap scared out of them. So what these town officials decided to do was to bring these newcomers into the community and teach them about Krampus by having them come to different community centers to learn about the props, the costumes, and the idea of Krampus as a whole. The refugees got to touch and hold and put on the costumes and learn all about the traditions to help these people feel more included and not get the ever-living crap scared out of them. And I think that is one of the most wholesome things I have heard in a long time. Well, dear one, that is all she wrote for this episode and this year and this season. I I can't believe you and I have gone through another year together. I'm so thankful. I'm so happy. Thank you so, so, so much for being here with me for this last year through the ups, the downs, the spicy emotions, the infuriated episodes, the funny episodes, and the devastating episodes. You make the world a better place by being you. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. If you like this episode, if you enjoyed this season, please consider leaving a rating or a review and sending this or any episode to your history BFF or someone that you think needs a little bit of history love in their life. If you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, you can join Patreon. You can get yourself some sweet, sweet merch. 
because it's real great and we have wonderful sweaters. <laughs> I will be taking a longer break than usual in between seasons to spend time with my family in the States to take some much needed rest and to start a few for the love of history projects that I've been wanting to work on and of course to research for the next season. But I won't be gone. I'll still be very present on Instagram and you can head over to Instagram for the official season five countdown. But until then, do something that makes you happy. If the holidays are not your thing, that's okay. Don't celebrate them. Do something to celebrate yourself. Or if you love the holidays, do something super holiday-y. Live your best Hallmark life, friend. And for those people who don't celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a wonderful Hanukkah, a Merry Kwanzaa, a lovely other holiday, a fantastic winter solstice, and all of the other celebrations that I'm forgetting about in the month of December. Have an absolutely fabulous new year, and I will see you in 2023 my delicious little donut. Don't forget to drink your water today and every day, and I will see you in season five. Okay, bye! Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>